Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I am seeing signs that that they're trying, that there are some factions trying to totally bifurcate the world, make it bipolar again with non-porous borders. And I feel like uh, physically, I think we're going to see that happen because once they get remote work in place, and I always thought that the COVID lockdowns going to Zoom and people like, I don't want to go to work anymore. I'm like, okay, well, you better move to India because you're going to need a way lower standard of living if you think you're going to get paid to live in LA and work from your home because yeah. there are people in countries that cost a 10% of that who will take a 10th of the thing. So, What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty, physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Okay? I am. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Returning to the show, very, very gratefully, Monica Perez. How are you doing today? I'm what? I'm great. Sorry. In California, they like stop the action to make sure that you're consenting to being recorded, which actually isn't such a bad thing. So anyway, I was not like really hearing you. So I'm great. How are you? I'm great. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit uh, discombobulated because we're moving and it's turning my world upside down. And like when you're moving for kids and a family, like just think of your own moving world and like times it by five. And one of my kids has Down syndrome, so he's like anti-helping. Mm. So he gets upset when you pack his stuff. So he unpacks it and hides it. <laughs> You're like, ah, two dogs. We've got bunnies. Like I had mm. to just give away the fish. Oh. And uh, yeah, no, I did actually give them away. I did not flush them down the toilet as my husband suggested was a possibility. <laughs> I never do that. I brought him back to the store and one mm. of the people took him home. So, but yes, this is my, this is my world. It's a little upside down right now. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. Um, I always joke that my brother and I were uh, professional Mexicans because uh, from, from the time that we were young until uh, I want to say probably I was 17 or so, I think I had moved 15 times, 15 or 16 times. And then my brother had moved like 13 ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. I, I moved. My a first lot. son had 10 for the first 10 Christmas cards. His first 10 Christmas pictures had a different address on the envelope. 10 in a row. I mean, it was worse than my mother said, like, even the army brats get 18 months in one place. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> but my husband like had a little bit of a weird 
career and he just we just followed him around but geez yikes <laughs> i can't i'm getting too old for this crap oh my god yeah moving's an absolute nightmare um I, I told you off air kind of what i got going on and that that may entail moving for me to actually a much much nicer area but um it, that's that's still like maybe just because like i moved so much when i was a teenager and a kid that like i've, I've lived in this house now for six years i bought it when i was 22 wow. Yeah. So you. thank you. And uh, I'm like, man, to move again, like, I'm so good just hanging here. It's affordable. Yeah. It's nice. Like, we all like it here. But I mean, if if things turn out well, then we'll definitely move out there because it'll be way it's nicer. Right and we'll just get like a yeah. bigger house and probably like a bigger yard. And so that way our dogs can run around a little bit more. And then when my wife and I plan to have kids, then, uh, you know, they'll have like a nice, quiet lawn to go run around. And yeah, stuff like well, that. dogs and kids don't mix because the dogs will actually poop all over the lawn. Uh, so I would proceed with, I don't know how old your dogs are, but I would like, I have had the serial dog pair since the beginning and just between waking them up, waking kids up from naps and pooping all over the yard where they could play. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's a lot. It's taken on a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, we got three right now. Mini Pin, uh, Doberman, Australian Shepherd Mix, who's actually laying right here. I, Ooh, I can't I see. Down. I want to see no, that he, he was. He was. All right. If, if he, he comes back, show me. Yeah, yeah he'll, he'll definitely come that. back. He's uh, he's going to be four this year, and then my pit bull is five. I think she'll be five in September. And, uh, I mean, she, like, loves kids. But they're they're pretty good around, like, the other kids, like our uh, my wife's yeah. nieces. Oh, no, I don't. I don't think they're bad. I just think that like the the whole like poop noise thing is not good for, for kids. <laughs> My son, his volunteer thing when he was like during lockdown or whatever, he volunteered with this um, place that rescues abused pit bulls. Did we talk about this? Oh, uh, no. So, oh, yeah. And he's got like a couple of bite marks and he's like, My fault. My fault. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, you know, when someone says he doesn't like faces, you don't put your face up to the pity. Yeah. And I was like, Okay, okay, okay. So he's very proud of his scars. But mm. yes, they, he's, he, he says all dogs are fluffy. That's his <laughs> position. All dogs yeah. I, I, I'm sure you probably see people talk about pit bulls and I think people go like complete and total retard over this and like, Oh my God, they're like killing machines. I'm like, listen, yes. like less than 50 people die a year in the U S from dogs. Like this is not that big of a deal. Like, and yeah. look, if you guys want to tow that line, then by that logic, you should be freaking out about every single COVID death that happened because that's like the same minority that we're talking about. If not, you have more reason to freak out about COVID deaths than you do pit bulls, but it's mostly people who like kind of downplayed COVID and like I do too, but like, yeah. I don't freak out about pit bulls because I like, some people treated their dogs like shit, and yes, they are more aggressive and do account for more violence, but that doesn't mean that every single one's going to fucking maul a toddler. They're like, what's wrong I with I mean, you? I think it's up there with shark bites. Yeah. Actually, it's, yeah. yeah, well, hippos kill more people every single year. I think they kill, like, almost 500 people a year. Oh, they're wow. brutal. Yeah, because people are stupid about that, right? They go on the They're very they territorial. Yeah, and very, they, very yeah, territorial. They run you over. Mm -hmm. yeah they, they will uh, definitely fuck you up <laughs> so, that, now that we covered poop pit bulls and yes uh, yes we're just, we're just the animal kingdom we've done that and don't tell me you're a vegan no no god i literally no, just finished eating the steak soy boy. <laughs> okay, good. no i'm way too good looking to eat that much i was gonna soy. say Jesus. you do not look like a vegan to me but okay so uh yeah so now that we've covered like uh whatever the, the sentient beings <laughs> 
or as a higher level sentient beings, what you got for me and you. <laughs> so um, you did a podcast on the Restrict Act and TikTok, and I've been sounding off about this because people have lost their total freaking minds about this. Yeah. And one thing that people fail to know is that actually all the data being stored from TikTok is actually stored on US servers through Oracle, right? Which... And was like, that a Trump era compromise? I no, think I, that Trump orchestrated that. No? Trump orchestrated it, but I believe Biden actually finalized it about a year ago, oh, if okay. I remember correctly. Because if you, I can't remember the article, but I've I posted on my Twitter a bunch of times, and um, like when people do get into private data that they're not supposed to through TikTok, those people get fired. Like they treat those people very, very, like they're. They don't want people doing this. And then the other thing about this is that the owner of ByteDance is actually Singaporean and he lives in Singapore. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he still kind of has like, he still kind of steers the company. So like this whole thing about TikTok is the biggest fucking psyop to get people to manufacture consent for war with China or to just gin up more tensions. And you just nailed this TikTok podcast. And yes, TikTok's awful. Like my wife uses it and it, it drives me nuts, but you know, so I'm not going to sit there and no, you can't use that, but like, well, she bad. can handle it. It's like, I can watch, there's a, a show on stars or something called mm -hmm. um, American gods. Somebody recommended it to me and I'm watching it. And there's like some, you know, really like we my husband and i thought literally these guys was like gay guys having sex mm -hmm. like this is those those look like prosthetics to me like i didn't know they had prosthetics for that but <laughs> and one of my kids walks through the room and i was like oh you know i didn't even snap to like this is fucking trauma right there mm -hmm. uh i it was a male and he did not notice it and he's 17 so it's a, you know not a big deal but yeah. but i realized like stuff that i would never let my kids watch or do in a developmental stage it just goes right over my head even my 94 year old mother like stuff like that'll flash across the street it's like i don't care what do i care so it's it doesn't do any harm if it doesn't do any harm so like i don't think your wife using tiktok is a problem but my daughter using tiktok was actually a problem mm -hmm. and it really distorts how they think she insists that it has greatly shortened her attention span and i don't know if you heard me say like my theory about tiktok when i see these girls that age um using it becoming little tiktok stars mm -hmm. i realize that it, it isn't like social media it isn't like video games it's like what you hear about boys who get hooked on porn and for me they didn't have anything like that for girls until somebody realized that or it just emerged that the porn element for girls is to be the object okay like okay. that that weird yeah. fantasy that you know that is to be the sexual object that's yeah. my uh, observation and that's and they're they get hooked on that in my opinion so what's really interesting about this is um like a lot of like the red pill manosphere guys and like there's so much stupid shit in there but like the good guys will kind of talk to you about female nature and one thing they point out is that like they always joke on some of these shows that like they'll ask women will you delete your instagram and it's a big deal but what people fail to realize is that we do live in like 
very global society and global economy today, right? So women can get attention from all across the world and get lots of views and lots of people complimenting them from all over the world. And that to women is the same way that men view sex because like our sexual strategies are like women want the most resources for like the least amount of investment possible. And then men want unlimited sexual access. I I have stumbled upon a thing or, or the... Uh, or two of those, but I, I don't immerse myself in those worlds. So when these are observations, people, yeah, people have given me shit about certain observations that I have made just Mm. based on my life experience that end up sounding really sexist. And it's just, you know, I just tell my kids, like you watch sex in the city, sex in the city was written by gay guys. Like literally it's Mm. women. And my experience as a woman a professional woman who lived in New York, you do not get to go home with somebody you did not know that morning, sleep with him and ever hear from him again. That's just not happening. You know, I mean, I guess you could say like, hey, I'm strictly in it for the sex. Maybe Tinder has changed the world like that. Mm. But there's just, you know, there are just different approaches to what, you know, what, what feels good about sex and like mm-hmm. i just don't think and people will say like that you no know, women are capable of casual sex i'm like i don't know i'm not i'm more sure that women are not capable of casual sex mm-hmm. as a general rule than i am that men are like i'm not sure mm-hmm. men are actually as capable of casual sex as they think i think that they do like you know they mm-hmm. have to suppress any need for an emotional right. connection whatever but um so i just make these observations and maybe they come off as sounding sexist or whatever but that is that is my feeling that i just i just see it and i'm like this is like a kind of porn thing they're really hooked on it and it makes them feel you know exhilarated titillated if you will yeah well once again they're getting lots of attention but the other thing that you mentioned that um i've really hit on a lot and it's funny when i dunk on somebody it gets all the attention of the world but when i speak about eating disorders which is something that you had mentioned um it gets like no attention but what nobody knows is that eating disorders actually kill one out of every five people with an eating disorder so like eating disorders are actually the 20 percent yeah more deadly than covid yes they are the deadliest out of all disorders that there are out of every single mental disorder, eating disorders are the deadliest. Wow, yeah, of course, because yeah. you can just kill yourself passively. Really. Right. Well, and not only that, when you think about like a gambling addiction, smoking addiction, drinking addiction, you can stop all that, but you can't stop eating. So you have to live with that for the rest of your life as something that you have to moderate your intake when you have a problem with it. So wow. that nobody knows about that kind of stuff. So when you have something like TikTok that does promote eating disorders and shit like that, I mean, that's really, really bad. And that's why I beat that drum very hard, especially like when people just give hard nutrition rules, really beat against that too, just because like instilling dogma into people's mind typically in, in, at least with food and putting morality around it typically does harm people more than it helps because what happens is as soon as they have that little bit of something that they're not supposed to have they say well fuck it off to the races i'm gonna have you know everything under the sun because i already fucked up when that's like the worst attitude you could have when your attitude should be well you know hey i slipped up a little bit but next time i'm gonna be a little bit better so i, I know we're kind of going off on tan no, no, i like, like it yeah, i yeah. enjoy it this is fun for me i um the the eating disorder thing, I, an, an added problem with the TikTok and the larger kind of cultural Satanism is like all I can think of. It's this, and I'm not saying that there's it's Lucifer. I'm not saying it's like worshiping Satan. It's yeah. just living that philosophy of do what thou wilt. That in itself is a, uh, it creates like this tremendous amount of cognitive dissonance, it seems to me, mm-hmm. in that the, so the, 
girls think that they should look a certain way, right. um, be super skinny, I guess, but they are at the same time being told that any kind of self-sacrifice is unnecessary, is like a social construct, you know, like mm -hmm. dieting is a social construct, right? Like <laughs> I really see that they they think that it's 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 outrageous to restrict anything about your life. Yeah. And I mean, even to the point where I don't know if it's if it's on the rise or it was just a blip on the screen, but there was a fashion thing where girls had their like pants unbuttoned and rolled down. Have you seen that? It's very no. new. Yeah, like I've seen it a couple of times and I said to my son, I was like, what is this? Their pants? They're not even zipping their pants up. He's like, oh, it's about like, you know, just letting it all hang out. It's like, you know, eating whatever Female you empowerment. Want. Yes, I guess. I mean, this is, you know, I'm getting too old to even go back and try to figure this stuff out. I don't even care anymore. But I will say that I I feel like this, um, there's a yo-yoing in the eating and stuff because they have in their minds that any kind of moderation is, is just, uh, you know, deprivation is unnecessary. Self-discipline mm -hmm. is unnecessary. Consume whatever you want. It's almost like all the seven ca capital sins mm -hmm. are, are adored and worshiped. And then they get fat and it doesn't match the image that they have in their minds. And then they feel, and like another part of, of all of this is like this whole other flip side of it is like extreme judgmentalism, the cancel culture and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So they can't forgive themselves. They can't forgive themselves for, for being, you know, different from, because they, you can, if you're super judgmental, you you can judge, judge people who are overweight. But then if that happens to you, because you've been obeying this, like indulge everything mentality, if that happens to you, how do you forgive yourself? So there's just so many things wrong with this culture. And I feel like TikTok has delivered it better than any, can deliver all of those conflicting messages faster than anybody else because it's in the video format, which is so absorbable. It yeah. inserts these conflicting messages. Like what my daughter was saying my, when I read her words on my recent show, like it, it mm. inserts the eating thing and, and, you know, a lot of conflicting messages in a row. And then of course, embeds between kitties and bunnies, uh, very radical political messages. Right. Yeah. It, it's, and I like personally haven't used it, but I've used like YouTube shorts, stuff like that, which are obviously yeah. seeking to kind of mock yeah. that. And it, it is, it's really symptomatic of our generation, our culture at large. And I think a lot of this probably does have to do with like the low interest rate environment. And I know we kind of talked about this last time too, but uh, it just makes people's preference for consumption so much like sooner. Like I'm going to just, people want like the drive through information, right? You want to drive through the drive through and just, you know, someone throw the information in your mouth. Nobody wants to sit down and read. Nobody wants to sit down and learn stuff or, you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier, when I dunk on somebody on Twitter, Oh, oh my God, everybody loves it. People like it. They retweet it. But then when I try to give you information, a thread, site, a study, yes. explain something, then people just tune right out and people have no attention span for it. But though that's why TikTok works so well is because like, Hey, here's your information. All right. Good luck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I have noticed that, that there is a, um, see more of an appetite. I don't know what it is more of an appetite for negativity also. And mm -hmm. I just, I find that to be like eroding the soul, mm -hmm. but the whole, the whole social media thing, I think it's distorting how we, we look, but the, but the restrict act 
I just read it. It's 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 like the same thing I was saying about the manosphere. Like I don't I don't do my research by immersing myself in this world. Yeah. Even with the restrict act, I didn't just get on some, you know, chat board or whatever to try to figure out what people are saying. I just mm-hmm. read it. I read the act. And in nowhere does it ban TikTok, obviously. And yeah. and it just seems to me, it doesn't even the fact that they're addressing it based on like national security t- concerns, which are ridiculous. Like that's mm-hmm. just definitely not it. Like in your article about Bannon and what we were talking about, it's just not yeah. about that. It's really about, um, I would say, I would say what it's actually going to do uh, among other things is just make sure that it's, it's like they want to divide the world back up into two. I feel mm-hmm. like, two economic spheres. And so what, what the remedy for like TikTok being foreign owned and being bad is sell it to a U.S. company. That's when Oracle got involved. Or maybe, you know, Musk will, if you just shut it down in this country, you don't even have to sell it to somebody or let them buy it. They It opens the door for like YouTube shorts or whatever to be the thing that takes its place as a vacuum there mm-hmm. then and but it but it's it's just creating a vacuum for the same thing to just be american so instead of them saying we have finally taken some responsibility for the culture we have an incredibly overarching government i'm an anarcho capitalist or an agorist or a libertarian like i don't want the government to get involved in this the government takes half my money and does tons of things that i don't agree with totally value based things blows up other countries stuff like that if it was going to do one thing one thing if it banned TikTok, I'd be like, eh, better that, you know, I, I, if I have to have one thing, I'll take that. And it's, but it's not going to do that. And it's, and it's not addressing it based on the cultural impact. It's addressing it based on this like mm-hmm. fake national security thing. And that's just, I can see where it's going. Yeah. Um, and so like what else was kind of in the act? Because I remember you saying something about uh, mm-hmm. kind of like the it literally being the Patriot Act 2.0. And that's kind of what everybody was throwing out there. And it's funny because like Josh Hawley is kind of one of these. I, I like the term container word and somebody that I had on my show yesterday Um, when this um when this show airs. Um, the show that I'm airing tomorrow is with a guy who coined this term, or at least who I know coined the term, oh, a guy named Ryan Stone. Um, he said, uh, he says like a lot of words are now like container words where so like, um, America first and make America great again, or like container phrases, if you will, right. Where they don't really mean anything. You say them and then your audience fills it with their hopes and dreams. Right. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that's exactly that's what's great. going on. Like I used yeah. to say that about psychic paper, like from Dr. <laughs> who. So the hope and change, mm-hmm. you know, or from Obama or what Trump would say, both sides of something, he would say the opposite things like in yeah. the same speech. And I would say, it's like, it's like Dr. Who's psychic paper. You just mm-hmm. see what you want to see on it. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I was listening to you earlier today and yeah, I remember you mentioning uh, that specific thing, but yeah, essentially you tell people what they want to hear and you take both sides of every single issue. And that way people can kind of fill that with their hopes and dreams. And then they'll fucking go to the death defending you. I mean, people, yes. all, all the boomer cons that I've That's worked great. with have always stood up for Trump's bump stock ban and all the spending and all that stuff and operation warp speed but it's like well that's because this is your guy that you've put your hopes and dreams into and onto so now you have to defend him at all costs because this is my guy right and i mean like if hillary clinton was a republican they would probably did the same thing if yeah. she would have won the cult of personality is, right. is exactly. a big part of it and he was trained to do that 
Like mm-hmm. he was he was cast as the boss man on TV by the head of CNN, by the way. All right, guys, um, I'm absolutely thrilled with the uh, show's new sponsor. Um, I am now sponsored and uh, have an affiliate through LMNT Electrolytes. Um, I have used these electrolytes for years. Um, back when I used to do a lot of fasting, in fact, I used to drink, sometimes I want to say up to seven a day, seven little packets. So um, the packets are full of all the electrolytes that you need to perform and hydrate yourself properly. Um you need sodium for pretty much every single function in your body, despite what um, a lot of people may tell you. Um, sodium doesn't actually cause a lot of the issues that uh, people kind of would have you believe. So um, just real quick to give you a little bit of facts. Um, you don't need sugar to hydrate. Electrolytes and water don't require glucose to pass through the gut. The average American consumes over 60 pounds of sugar a year. And um, when it comes to athletic performance, um, you can actually lose up to seven grams per day in hot climate. So um, make sure you click on the affiliate link below to get all your hydration needs. And like I said, I'm super stoked to have these guys um, teamed up with the podcast and uh, just make sure you get your uh, electrolytes through Element. All right, guys, thanks. Jeff Zucker, yeah. like created him. <laughs> so that's weird. Uh, but yeah, this, um, so... I, I might have to add that to my glossary. I have a little glossary on my website <laughs> about it. So I have to do container it and I will give Ryan yeah. Stone the credit for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so what were we? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Josh Hawley was uh, kind of yes. the guy that put forth this act and he's one of those, you know, MAGA populist guys. But once again, he's one of the main ones like ginning up tensions with China. And he's even been bad on like Ukraine and Russia. But um, he was the one who like put forth this restrict act. And I believe Rand Paul and him kind of went to blows. So um, what else was in the act that so, would make it comparable to the Patriot Act? I think there were... I have to go back and look, but I think okay, yeah. there, I think this is like the Holly 2.0. So I think uh, Rand and Holly like kind of made that one stall. And this is one, the one that I was talking about is the one that was put forward by Mark Warner, whom mm. I detest. Okay. And, yeah. and the one of Holly was kind of like to ban TikTok. Mm. This one uh, is it doesn't include that at all. And the okay. stuff that is in it is, I mean, any one of a number of the things that are in this could be the sole purpose for it because it has so much, so much radical stuff in it. So one of the things is, so it starts out that within 180 days of passing this, the secretary of commerce, who is right now Gina Raimondo, mm-hmm. which I think is significant, Yes, it gives the Secretary of Commerce enormous power going forward, but the person who is filling that role right now is dangerous. A lot of times they take somebody who's completely not dangerous and they give them all the power and then they replace it with somebody who is dangerous. So, but she's, you know, Harvard, Yale, Oxford. She's just um, obviously super, super deep state. She's a Rhodes Scholar. Yeah, exactly. So she's going to do it and and she's handled. Like, so it's not going to be her instinct sitting there pouring over stuff till two in the morning. And there's absolutely no way she could even do a millionth. Oh, hey, buddy. Yeah, there uh, is. <laughs> oh, great. Um, she could do even a tiny fraction of the amount of work this sets up for her. 
So what it sets, so she has to have like, there has to be some operation behind this. And it's either that like deep state perpetual bureaucracy or even somebody outside the system like mm-hmm. uh, Soros and, or, you know, did the whole like Obamacare stuff at the Apollo yeah. or Tides or whatever it was. So yeah. within 180 days, she has to go through preemptively and look at like basically every single thing on the internet, every piece of software, hardware, everything in the world. And the reason I think that is because the, the they actually list out what her priorities need to be and her priorities need to be. Um, uh, so it says priority information and communications technology areas, which she has to prioritize evaluating um Wireless local area networks, satellite operations and controls, wireline access points, core networking systems, um, long, short, and backhaul networks, edge computer platforms, any software, hardware, or any other product or service integral to data hosting or computer service, computing service that uses sensitive personal data with respect to greater than 1 million persons. Mm-hmm. Um, internet hosting services, cloud-based or distributed. I mean, it goes, it goes, this, this list of her priorities seems to be absolutely everything in the software and hardware world. And that's just her priority. So obviously it's meant to encompass absolutely everything. And it's not like anybody who's suspected of doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. It's all of it. She has to actually go in is a priori the word, like go in and look at all this stuff. So that already is like an, is an un-American approach. Okay. So yeah. So that's within the first 180 days. You know what this kind of reminds me of? And it's, it's funny that it was, you know, kind of coined the Patriot Act 2.0, but it kind of reminds me of with uh, 9-11 when you thought about the, all the metadata that NSA had, and they even admitted that they had enough metadata to stop 9-11, but their culpability is they had so much metadata that they couldn't have gone through all of it. It seems like that's almost the same kind of thing. Do you follow what I'm saying? Because like, there's no way you'd be able to comb through all of that. So if something were to happen, then you could just say, oh, well, let's go to war with China. Let's you know, bomb the Taiwan semiconductor factory, which there have been people said they would do. Let's let's take some preemptive strike because we couldn't assess all this metadata, but something happened. That's a great point because there's mm-hmm. absolutely no way that they're going to admit that they can do this or probably already right. have. I mean, it's possible that this is already done what they're doing because what they're doing. So what I feel like is a, it could be the only reason for this whole entire act is for them to be able to openly go through all that access at all. You cannot stand in their way. If you stand in their way, you go to jail and get fined and there's almost no recourse whatsoever. And it includes stuff like asset forfeiture. The recourse is simply that you can go right. And, and whether it's strictly, it, it refers to the drug enforcement, um, laws on asset forfeiture it actually cross references other acts and stuff. So I, I don't know for sure they can take all that stuff away without you having a conviction and you never get it back the way so many people who've had lost them to the drug DEA. But because there's almost no recourse, I, I'm sure there, I, I can't see any other way because the recourse is that you have, if you are wrongly charged or whatever, you go to the DC court of appeals Mm -hmm. so no matter where happened to you the dc court of appeals and you have to fight the case on a strictly constitutional grounds Mm -hmm. so you have to make an argument on your personal wrong as being unconstitutional not just Mm -hmm. illegal based on 
all the laws that are in place to protect us. And it goes in this act, in this bill, it delineates law after law that it is exempted from the laws that are put in place to give us some protections, the laws that they have given us to make us feel more comfortable with all the crappy laws like this, that they have also given us, for example, the freedom of information act. It's this is exempted from that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have no, there's, I, 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 there's absolutely no recourse except for the DC court of appeals based Mm -hmm. on constitutional grounds. And, um, so, so the, there are a lot of problems with this because they can do it without probable cause. So they can go through all that stuff. They can access it. You absolutely cannot stop them. And once they have all that information, which they definitely can organize, like they're going to say they can't search it. They're going to say they can't organize it. They absolutely definitely can. Uh, and then they're going, because that's where all those fusion centers and all the things that they were building that can hold like one of them. I was been talking about this for 10 years. Mm-hmm. One of them could hold like all of human communications for a hundred years, one of oh, them. Wow. And there were 12 of them being built at the time that I was talking about 10 years ago. So mm-hmm. they have it, they can do it. That's, I think why they were, are so um, committed to cutting China off of that super, super high end semiconductors. Cause that's the kind of AI mm-hmm processing that they need that that really um you know just fast and big uh complex stuff they don't care if they're making like microwaves they care that they're making supercomputers but once you do that and 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 another you know so let's say okay they can have access to all that information that's super major um it's enough but the other thing is once you have all the information once this chick is allowed to go through everything without any probable cause, and she is solely, solely responsible for making a recommendation to the president who is solely responsible for mitigation of like at the high level stuff, not the stuff just of you violating and going to jail, but like if he is going to shut you down, really the mitigants are basically you shut down or you sell yourself to an American company. I mean, either way, it seems like a purely economic thing, but the power that's why I hate, and I said this on my show, that's why I hate anti-corruption stuff because that they go in there, they have all these things in place and I mean, they could get anyone on anything. Like this is so comprehensive. They could get anyone on anything. It's vague. And, but they won't. 99.9999999999 whatever um, percent are going to not even know that they've been kind of brain raped or whatever. But if you do something they don't like, that they can just prosecute you on this and there's absolutely no way around it. Or if you bribe them enough, like there's a lot of stuff about the Bidens being completely in bed with actual Chinese companies that are you know, Chinese financial organizations that are owned by the Chinese government in part or in whole. They are absolutely, they have been scan- involved in pay to play scandals with China. Mm-hmm. So this is a perfect thing to say, well, okay, Huawei, I personally need a billion dollars in my grandson's account. Mm-hmm. And then we'll slow walk your, you know, we'll make you 180th instead of first on this list of priorities. I mean, it's just the moral hazards are unbelievable here. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I think a lot of people get wrong when it comes to like the Biden China stuff is that 
Um, they say he's owned by China, but I think they misunderstand the Biden crime family in terms of they're very, very Machiavellian, as in whatever tool gets them power, they're going to use it shamelessly. And that's why they'll, you know, get into bed with companies that are owned by the CCP or something like that and take all their money. And then he'll turn around and say that we will go to war with China over Taiwan and they'll send B-52 bombers to Australia. They'll sign, you know, new arms treaties with Papua New Guinea and they'll do all this crazy shit because they don't care. Care. They're not owned by anybody. They're right. owned. It's the Biden crime family. It's about what pads their own wallet. And that's where I think a lot of people get this stuff wrong. And they look at that and say like, oh, well, let's downplay all this risk of war with China. When I mean, that's like, that is the State Department's number one focus. And they've been saying that for the last 10 years. And every time I wring my hands about it, people look at me and say, oh, there's no way you're, you're dumb, you know, Beijing Biden, like, you guys have no idea what you're talking about. And like, if you just listen to the fucking foreign policy, stuff every day you got to kind of wonder why there's a whole government-wide consensus on china and why tiktok is the only bad social media platform why facebook and them yeah they get like little slaps on the wrists but like tiktok's the main focus why is that <laughs> yes a hundred percent and i would say like the things that i have witnessed about um that tony bobulinski he put out some emails back in the day that kind of blew the whistle on the bidens uh the book by peter schweitzer there was a book on um that biden was mentioned and he may even have i think he came up later and did a whole one on biden alone uh even even this thing even this uh, a hidden audio I heard of um, Lindsey Graham being pranked regarding Turkey, it it seems like it's how it works isn't it isn't and for me to say this is pretty amazing because I am like the most conspiranoid person out there, but it it's just I, and I actually I feel like I've seen it kind of sideways in mm -hmm. banking. Um, oh, you know who else? It, Tony, uh, it was that Anthony Scaramucci, I think, did the same thing. Mm -hmm. So what they do, I think, is they tell a Chinese official that they have a lot of power and influence and that if you cut them in on the deal, they will use it in their favor. And so like with Scaramucci, he had a business. I don't know how much it was worth. Uh, Trump appointed him to some position that he wasn't destined to keep, wasn't qualified mm -hmm. for, wasn't interested in, whatever. But he appointed him to this position, which he was there for like a couple of weeks. And he left in like a high scandal. It was a big deal. It was mm -hmm. world, global news. In those two weeks, or around that time, Scaramucci sold his business for, I think, like $200 million to the Chinese. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he he sold them a bill of goods. It was, it's like a con. I, I, I don't know this. I'm and I don't mean to commit, you know, I'm not uh, slandering him or libeling him. This is just my speculation. Mm -hmm. Or if it didn't work that way, it could have worked that way. And right. I feel like that's, it, it's just as easy. And um, there, there, uh, these Hunter Biden was in bed with that Devin Archer and other people in a, a real scandal, a real uh, people got convicted and went to jail for defrauding American Indians in some kind of bond deal mm -hmm. where they said, you know, they used Hunter Biden's name for credibility. And I think that's where it, where, it, where it happens. I don't think it's owning. I don't think it's directing behavior. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fraud.
is what I think it is. Right. Well, and you kind of see this all throughout. Yeah. You see this all throughout China's economy though, because they have to build these ghost cities and tear them down. And like, they have this enormous population that actually requires a decent bit of their GDP to kind of like maintain, take care of, make sure they don't get too rowdy. So like people just have all these ignorant perceptions of how like China operates and how China is. And like, you think about like the one belt, one road initiative where like, this is kind of like another thing that just kind of keeps China afloat. They go around to countries I think nefariously lending money because they know these countries are never going to be able to pay it back. Like, you think these economies in South Africa are going to be able to pay China back? No. But China don't care because it kind of props their markets up because they're like, oh, look, we're doing all this construction work all over the world, so we have to be doing something right. But, you know, how long can you do that until people finally say the emperor has no clothes? I think we're kind of seeing this when it comes to, you know, the U.S. and the potential de-dollarization of the world. And this kind of goes to something that I know you've talked about a lot as well, like the multipolar world which i think is probably going to happen because the u.s has done everything they can to piss off both russia and china where for the last eight years we've heard that trump is a russian puppet now we've heard that you know beijing biden is a china puppet these things serve the same purpose yeah i go um just around and around uh, on to how much and and if it's on an individual level like i always wonder where what's the conspiracy ceiling like is there <laughs> is there a point above or below that isn't yeah. conspiracy so but my my thought in this particular case what this points to to me and maybe there are two different layers and i'd be interested in what you have to say based on the article that you wrote for the Libertarian Institute about yeah. Bannon, because that to me is the perfect place to ask this question. I'll ask it in a second. Sure. But so when I was doing the work on Taiwan, I discovered, I forget the name of it, but during the Soviet era, there was a policy, and I don't know if it was our policy or their policy, where you had to choose sides economically and you weren't allowed to cross those lines. Mm -hmm. And um, and they had a name for it, like the economic block system. And it was their block versus our block. Oh. Yeah, if you can find it, that'd be great. Um, I'll try. And so, so the multi, you know, I know I have it in my Taiwan notes. Uh, so the multi-polar world would imply that there's like a cross-border coordination. And, but I am seeing signs that, that they're trying, that there are some factions trying to totally bifurcate the world, make it bipolar again with non-porous borders. And I feel like uh, physically, I think we're going to see that happen because once they get remote work in place, and I always thought that the COVID lockdowns go into Zoom and people are like, I don't want to go to work anymore. I'm like, okay, well, you better move to India because you're going to need a way lower standard of living if you think you're going to get paid to live in LA and work from your home because yeah. there are people in countries that cost a 10% of that mm -hmm. who will take a 10th of the thing. So, but I think that there may be, so then they can just shut down like transportation, uh, like they can yeah. just shut it down. So I feel like it's possible it's bipolar, but, but, you know, so then I look, some, some seem to be multipolar, like um, Christine Lagarde, whatever says stuff, I've seen quotes from her and that whole like international European globalist politics seem to the UN and every seem to be multi. But when I look at something like this or the semiconductor stuff, it seems to be bipolar. And I, and, and Bannon is another place where I feel like I'm confused because 
is there a conservative, you know, so that's like the, the highest level of the conspiracy is, mm -hmm. uh, is there a place at which some people think it should be bipolar and some people think it should be multipolar. And then I look at Steve Bannon and I'm thinking, is there, there's the CFR and then there's that other organization. I can't even remember the name of it. It's like conservative CFR. Have you ever heard of it? Bannon is involved in it. And it's uh, kind the, of like, are you talking about the uh, committee for present danger China? That may be a part of it, but there is like a conservative equivalent of the CFR, they say, like the CPR or something. And it's, mm. it's or like stuff I've read about Bannon that in his circles, like their conspiracy is to have like some traditional Christian, um, you know what I mean? Like as if there is a real uh competing factions here between the conservatives uh, right. and the liberals you know and i just yeah so and then you have like epoch times and <laughs> total like the, the, the subversive yeah, yeah. yeah the subversive i mean my mother on her tv in rockland county watches um a news show like it's like newsmax or one american mm -hmm. news but it is it is that epoch times thing it's mm -hmm. 24 7 news their people are um Chinese people speaking English, but they yeah. sound like they're from China. And she loves it. Like she loves the news. It's like RT. It's like, it's mm -hmm. great. Like it's, you know, it's, it has to be good or it's not going to get through. But just how do you view that? Like is, you know, Rand wants to start a war with China, mm -hmm. right? Rand, the Rand Corporation, but Bannon's in bed with this guy. And then there's some Chinese billionaires who are in jail. And we're told that the Chinese government mm -hmm. oppresses them. But yet at the same time, they may actually be criminals. Like, like. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Tell me what you think. Yeah, there's a whole lot going on there. So like when it comes to Ben, it's always been really, really interesting to me because he's kind of seen as like a cultural figurehead for the right, right? So like, because he's, you know, the pandemic war room, war room before that. And he was part of like the team that got Trump elected. And he's very... I like Bannon when he's good, but I also realize that he's not a libertarian, and he explicitly says that he's very against Austrian economics, and he he speaks out against it frequently. Um, now, the interesting part for me was when I started hearing about his little his bankroller, if you will, Miles Guo. So, um, I think it was Robbie Martin who actually kind of turned me on to this, and Miles um, Guo is a exiled CCP billionaire who had been. I don't want to say he officially defrauded people, but it's kind of fishy when you get multi-million dollar loans from other CCP dissidents at that, right? Um, you get multi-million dollar loans from a CCP dissident who you guys have like the same goals. You guys both disapprove of the communist, you know, the Chinese Communist Party of China or sorry, I completely butchered <laughs> that. But, yes, I yeah, got it. Um, you guys have the same goals, but like you're taking all this money and you're running and then you have this boat that you're taking Bannon out on that you shoehorn in to belong to your daughter, but she never operates it. And you're giving Bo or Bannon all this money. You're giving them like 
loans for strategic consulting fees and you're building up this giant cryptocurrency that ends up um, being like an unregistered security where you had to pay the SEC, I think it was like $439 million, just lots of shady shit going on, but you can't afford to pay back the CCP dissidents. It's just really, really weird that like all this stuff kind of came together. So in my mind, my reason for writing this article that we're kind of hovering around here is because it's hard for Bannon to be so hawkish on China and literally come out with the new federal state of China. And, and like, it's a neocon wet dream. And people could say Bannon's on neocon, but like, what else is neoconservative if it isn't um, saying that you want to spread democracy and free markets to another country and then declaring a faux government, which is literally what they did? I don't like this because if they're going to do that, they need to, they, Taiwan is the, the Chinese government in exile. Right. You know what I mean? That's what Taiwan was. Like my father was so upset with Jimmy Carter for mm. abandoning China, which is funny because my father is like a real libertarian when it came to foreign policy. Like he didn't want any of the wars or anything, but he was yeah. like, we made a promise to them and you can't just walk away. Mm. So there, I, I see now that's, that's confusing to me. Like, I don't understand why they would do that. Well, I don't think they're necessarily concerned about Taiwan. I think they really view China as like the economic competitor who's going to overtake the world as the global hegemon. So I think they still mm -hmm. view it as like, we should be, you know, uh, not, uh, not a, a, not a multipolar world where the U S should be the global the global hegemon no matter what right. and china we're going to declare this new faux government and hopefully overthrow the communist china party um and install this government so that way they're more friendly to the west and they respect that we're the global hegemon whereas right, i right. think you know like it's kind of like the, the yeah the thucydides trap right where a I forget how exactly described, but it's basically, you know, as one power grows, this is going to seek war with the other ones. I think they're seeking to kind of subside that. So that's why they want China to be weakened and the U.S. to continue to be the global hegemon. Because I think Bannon does have like a very, very nationalistic view of the U.S. Um, he was on the boat that was actually going over to recover the soldiers back in, um, I think it was 19... Iran? Yeah, I Iran yes, in like 1978. He that was failed. on that boat, yes. Mm -hmm. Maybe and, there to sabotage. Who knows? And right. he was also at Reagan's yeah. inauguration. Mm, okay. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that. And I, but, I believe he was Alexander Haig's attache in the mm, Okay, yeah. I got a little bit like more digging to do. He's serious <laughs> deep state, deep state dude. Yeah, well, so, he was yeah, he was on the boat over to Iran and he yeah. feels really, really strongly about that because um <laughs> when you look up like articles that have been written about him or that interviewed him about this he specifically said that like we came back hanging our head in shame so that also explains why he's very very hawkish on iran as well yes <laughs> so I, um, I mean my yeah. suspicion was always like any guy who's on that mission who showed up at reagan's inauguration maybe he <laughs> sabotaged the mission i don't know right well even his like some of the people he went to school with and i can't remember exactly where he uh he went to like a Pretty prestigious college. He grew up in like a small. He's in the Navy. Yeah, right, right. But he he went to college in, I want to say it was like Virginia Tech or something like that. Oh, okay. I, I may be mistaken, but um, after that, he Virginia went, Tech, yeah, yeah, he went to the military afterwards in 1976. I want to say in 1976, yeah. and then he came back in 1978, and that's when. Um, Good for you, yeah, you got it. Yeah, I, I can't remember what exactly he did after that, but um, he eventually went on to become you know Goldman Sachs banker and then yeah that's right yeah and then everyone had kind of said his 
some of the people he went to college with had said like he's bound to be in the White House one day, and then surely enough, twenty seven, you know, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, he ends up being uh, Trump's you know strategic guy or whatever the hell he was. But um, I still think he plays a big role on the populist right today because like how else are you booking Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and all these other populist right wingers on your show if you're not still kind of pulling the strings in some way? Like I, I don't see him completely out of the picture when it comes to, like the whole right wing side of things so i still think he pulls a lot of influence but once again this is why i think that him and his kind of financier miles gore are so dangerous and another thing that kind of came out in the article that i described was lee mang yan who did this like whole media tour and her and miles Guo had a little bit of a falling out i don't know exactly what that was for but um he actually financed her to leave china and then she comes over here and goes on tucker carlson and goes on like this big youtube channel promoting this paper that she published in zenodo claiming that china had unleashed COVID as a bioweapon and once again this kind of stacks onto this piece that we need to take down the communist part of china because you know they unleashed this on the world and what's the number one claim that comes from a lot of right wingers we have to hold china accountable for unleashing COVID on the world but you know nobody wants to talk about like Fort Detrick or the fact that we were funding gain-of-function research over there like when they talk about this part they leave that out but when they want to persecute Fauci they bring that up but they'll leave it out of our culpability but event 201 where they plotted COVID in mm-hmm. October 2019 right this Chinese CDC was sitting shoulder to shoulder with the American mm-hmm. CDC so to me like that blows my mind because that's right. either at all levels they're conspiring or at least at that that was an inside view of them literally conspiring mm-hmm. how will we handle this and then they did it and they could say you know they stamped draft on it but that doesn't mean it did not go live <laughs> and just to go back it's called the the um council for national policy have you heard of uh, that okay no actually i'll have to write that down yeah, Council of National Policy, an umbrella organization and networking group for conservative and Republican activists in the United States, launched in 1981 oh. by Tim LaHaye and the Christian right to bring more focus and force to conservative advocacy. Oh. And uh, a membership was leaked in 2020. Um, so it really, people point to that as uh, as being like the equivalent of the Council on Foreign Relations. Oh, my gosh. About the CMP, Mark Ambinder, BBC News, said the group wants to be the conservative version of the Council on Foreign Relations. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, gosh, the members have included, uh, let's see, Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Trent Lott. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Edwin Meese, John Ashcroft. Wow. Uh, Larry Pratt. I like Larry Pratt. Oliver North, Steve Bannon, Kellyanne Conway. Uh. The uh, Eric Prince, and I did not realize this, Betsy DeVos, who was the Mm. education secretary, is the sister of Prince, which I did not know that. The sister Mm. of Eric Prince, not Prince Prince. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Virginia Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, Mm. uh, et cetera. So people say that's, you know, Jerome Corsi. What? So this has tentacles all over. Yeah. Wow. Frank Gaffney. Uh-huh. Um, oh, but the populist right-wingers hate neocons. Snap. <laughs> yeah. So this is supposedly the conspiracy of the conservatives. And Steve Bannon is one of those. But I, I just, mm. it, it would almost make me feel better if there was a counter-conspiracy. 
You know, it almost makes me feel like, oh, well, then maybe the left doesn't have it sewn up. But I wouldn't be surprised if plenty of those people are both. Mm -hmm. Wow. Council of Foreign Relations as well. So I always just wonder about Bannon. Like, it's he's so deep state. But on the other hand, like, where is he now? Like, what? Yeah, what you were saying. Mm -hmm. I expected another shoe to drop after he was ousted. And he just must have gone behind the scenes. That's... It's kind of what I think, because like I said, he still has a lot of influence within that sphere. And, you know, still he talks to a lot of these people. And I think people look to him as like still a really, really big figure. So not that he's necessarily a kingmaker, but like I feel like he's kind of looked to for a lot of this strategic stuff because he's not dumb. And like mm -hmm. when he talks about like how the middle class and how people like our generations are getting screwed over, he's always spot on. Like when it comes to, he is a very, very good populist, but just when it starts coming to economics and then when you start asking about China and stuff, he's completely off base. And like I kind of put forth in the article, I do believe that it's a conflict of interest to claim that you want to overthrow the government of China when your bankroller has defaulted on a bunch of debt that people who have tight ties to yeah. the CCP, you know, or, or when you've defaulted on debt to them. Like that's I'm, a complete total conflict of interest. I think, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but um, I've, I've wanted to dig into, there's like a list of Chinese billionaires who have basically disappeared or you know they're in jail, but they're absolutely not heard of. Right. I just, I want to dig into that. Did you, in your looking into this story, researching for this story, did you stumble upon anybody of particular interest in that circle? I, I mean- what I just I just don't do you think that the Chinese government that these people are subversive and and also we've got to watch about how we look at this because America was absolutely positively undermined by I'm going to call it communist infiltration even though I hate that mm -hmm. like the the borrowing that dialectic from the 20th century they definitely were like the communist party of the united states was funded by the communist party of russia which makes it a foreign entity but as a libertarian and an american i was like so what so what your ideology should be able to resist that but obviously we couldn't so i have to rethink and it was just like why i didn't do as well in law school as i did in business school and business school is pretty easy mm -hmm. to add numbers up in law school i was like of course you should split the baby in half and they're like <laughs> that's not how it works so mm -hmm. there's a certain point at which that's not how it works and maybe human society can't even be divided between legal and moral you know mm -hmm. i think it can be divided between legal and economic really like i don't think we need to have economic laws and i don't think we need to have um we don't need to have the enforcement of moral law at the point of a gun mm -hmm. but maybe we need to at least recognize that foreign infiltration of political institutions right. is you know an existential threat as <laughs> steve bannon might say you know right. so so there so when we look at china putting those people in jail you have to know the whole story i mean maybe they mm. are us operatives you know mm. and then mm will go in and, buy, and blow up Syria and say they've got people in jail who didn't have a trial. And then yeah. they'll blow it up. The first thing they do, this happened in Egypt. I think it happened in Syria too. The prison doors open and everybody runs out. I'm talking literally, not figuratively. They run out. And, and then our government will say to us, well, we've got a bunch of terrorists, so we have to curtail your rights. So, so in the end, 
we would do it too, and we do it. Right. So I don't, I'm just curious about the true nature of uh, disappearing Chinese billionaires. That sounds yep. like a deep dive. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it is. I, I'm going to have to mark that one down too because I got to do this uh, dive on the council for uh, national um, national policy because I, I I have not heard of that, but I'm really really interested. Um, now, as far as the main dissident that Guo defaulted on. Um, his name was Yin Sean, I think it was, and he was the head of Pacific Alliance Group over in Asia. And um, let me make sure I get these numbers right, which I have here in the article. Um, he had – apologies. Okay, yeah. Um, Pacific Alliance Asia Opportunity Fund revealed that Guo borrowed some $88 million from the Asia-based company between 2008 and 2011 and never paid it back. And once again, the CEO of that company is Yang Sean. And he had really criticized the CCP for how they handled COVID. So it's kind of like if this guy has these criticisms and you guys like are working along the same lines, then what's the issue here? And there have been people that have put forth a theory that Guo is a double agent, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Um, tough to say, but you know that would bring up a whole another realm of oh questions. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I didn't even yeah. think of that. <laughs> yeah, it's like how, how how deep do the roots go when you start kind of yeah. pondering that? Wow. Um, but like one thing that people get wrong about China too is that they're very capitalist. Like it may be the CCP, but like. In essence, they're very socially conservative and they're very, very capitalist. Mm -hmm. And they're not afraid to use right, right. Yeah, that's all they <laughs> are. <fascism>. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they're not afraid to use the propaganda that we put out against them to turn it back on their citizens and say, look, you know, this is what America's doing. And we do the same fucking thing. Of course we do the same. We have justified every <laughs> atrocity with, well, if we don't, they will. It's like, well, maybe not. Not if you if you invent this horrible weapon and then Give it to them. Yeah, they might <laughs> use it, but just keep it in your pants. Right. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, well, and you know, they're, of course, the main thing that we're doing right now, Ron DeSantis talks about it. Biden talks about it. The Uyghur genocide genocide going on over there and it's funny how like the goal constantly keep getting shifted um and you mentioned uh epic times earlier that's literally a cia cutout the falun gong is like that's a cutout of the falun gong and it's funded by the cia and they bought something like i think it was 70 percent of all youtube ads or something like that back in 2020 what like, are they big pharma <laughs> yeah but i mean like yeah. larry uh, they, larry elder is hosted by them like they, oh, that's kind of like yeah. spook central yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like if you literally look up um, Larry Elder on YouTube, it's literally Larry Elder with the Epic Times. So, so what, so what is it for? Is it, is it for the CIA to have a counter government movement in within the four walls of China or what is the purpose of it? The Epic Times. Is it truly to, yeah. And the CIA being a part of that, is it truly to infiltrate and take over the Chinese government? Because I feel like there are other elements of our elite, like the Rockefellers who built China up in the first place, who gave them the tech that they needed to dominate the world economically and ultimately yeah. militarily if they continue apace. Yeah, um, I, I don't think they would dominate the world militarily just because, like, uh, I, you hear these populist right-wingers. 
Yeah. Oh, well, you hear them saying that they'll storm the beaches of California. It's like, what are they going to do? Send a bunch of 40 year old diabetics over here? Like their population year over year is like now starting to de or their birth rate has started to go down. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course. That's so subversive in itself. I mean, that thing <laughs> is like, it's like redirecting the direction of the Titanic. Like it takes yeah. forever to change. That's mm. why they're already starting to talk about the population bust. And remember when Elon Musk said it. I am stoked to tell you guys about the show's new sponsor. I am now working with MTS Nutrition which is a brand that I've believed in for a very long time and they run awesome cells and they have awesome products. So um, I want to tell you about their amazing protein powder, which you're going to ask me how many pounds I have of the protein powder and the answer is all of them. So here I got red velvet cake, 25 grams of protein and they have the amino acids and everything on there, 59 servings, peanut butter fluff, uh, fluffernutter, 26 grams of protein, and then also the chocolate chip cookie, which literally has real pieces of chocolate chip cookie in there. So 27 grams of protein, 180. As I've talked about on the show, getting your protein in is very, very important. So make sure you hit that link below and purchase your protein powder through MTS Nutrition. Boom! He said, I remember like 10 years ago, he said, I am a total libertarian. I don't believe, this was before he was really on anybody's radar. Yeah. I don't believe in anything. Um, government except for AI. The government needs to control AI. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, let me look into this guy because anybody who says, but this one thing, yeah. like then you realize he's there to deliver that message. And uh, yeah, so I feel like some sometimes those things are the one thing that they're, you're mm -hmm. going to get out of it. Um, the Falun Gong though, um, sorry, I kind of went off tangent. Yeah, there. no, get it. I want, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Falun Gong, is a like religious cult where they literally believe that you get like I, I Pat um, McFarlane has done a lot of work on these guys. Oh, but I, I, love I him. Yeah. yeah, oh, he's he's the best. Yeah. Um, but they believe they get I think it's called like chi energy or something like through their chest through monks or something like that. Like it's real weird stuff. But they're a persecuted minority over in uh, China, and once again the CIA funds the epic times and like there's this company called new tong dynasty where they're in the same studio as like um who is it that uh china uncensored they share the same studio with new tong dynasty but they say they're a separate part but once again <laughs> a lot of this stuff is funded by the cia and you, know, you, you kind of see where these tentacles go yes, I... all over the place <laughs> and you know i think probably some of that goal is probably you know propaganda against china and within China as well. Yeah. So our, you know, our, I just wonder where, like the same thing with Hong Kong, like <clears throat> those protests were totally funded by the National Endowment for Democracy, right. which is the CIA thing. And people were yelling, they're like, National Endowment, it's private. I'm like, it's not private. It's definitely not private. Like it's, yeah. I mean, it's secret, like what's mm -hmm. going on, but yeah. So I just I get confused because then you see the CDC of China at the event two hundred one and and but you know I look at Putin and I said why don't you out nine eleven well because he uses um, the narrative of Islamic terrorism for his own purposes as well like how right. can you justify interfering in Syria if you don't have to stop ISIS like mm -hmm. you can't just walk away so I feel like they there's just there's too much interlocking yeah it, it's kind of tough to parse out how much they're walking hand in hand because i know there was a narrative of like the world health organization kind of being a cutout from china but you know it, it's like 
where does that start? Where does it stop? I believe there's probably a decent bit of overlap there. But, you know, I, I wouldn't put my finger on that China's like the and not that you're doing this, but like, I think a lot of people get it wrong when they assume that China's kind of like the global terror. And like, I think Vivek Ramswamy, I really like that guy. But I think where he gets it wrong is that he pins all the globalist stuff on China being like kind of the arbiter of it all. And I don't think it's that cohesive where like I think you have like your competing factions of globalists and you're way more well read on this than I am. But like you have your Peter Thiel, who's more of like this, you know, dissident kind of guy. Elon Musk is kind of in a similar camp. And then you have, you know, your Klaus Schwab and, you know, George Soros, some of the other guys that are kind of like of the more left wing of globalist if you will i bought a book i haven't read it yet but it's by cynthia chung mm-hmm. who is i believe it's matt Eretz's wife i think they're married um her he i've been shared a screen with him on the union of the unwanted mm-hmm. and she has something called I think through a glass darkly perhaps mm-hmm. and i bought this book like this i wish i had it in hands reach arms reach but it's called breaking free of anti-china psyops how the cold war is being revived and what you can do about it oh no way yeah yeah and 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 i've liked a lot of the stuff that they've done so i mean i I don't know if i'd agree with every word they're from canada i believe uh but i feel like that like i feel like there's just too much inter overlap and there's many times that china is right when they're making an argument like the the semiconductors we have it's ridiculous and like this national security thing i traced it back i was looking for it but i found it that it in the beginning the whole argument against huawei was that they were outpacing us our companies economically and they had to stop and then there's like a moment in time some years ago where they just switched it to a national security thing. And then after that, I think they like arrested the daughter of the founder or whatever the CFO held her hostage in Canada, but they, they just changed the narrative to national security. But I believe it is, it is just economic. And I don't feel like China is, is, is just always wrong. (laughs) You know, I don't think they're sending that. If they're sending that, those bugs over here to get us sick, they're doing it with our permission. You know, Mm -hmm. it started, at the C, you know, the CDCs were talking about it together yeah. and we sent, and we sent our guys over there to do the work over there. I mean, mm-hmm. how do you not see the, I mean, how can you blame China for that? Yeah, th- that's what I mean. I would agree that like, it would definitely be the U S and China together unleashing COVID on the world. Totally. If we're going to walk that because once again, who funded the labs and then China had to consent to have these labs there. So, like, you can't go one way or the other. You have to say it's both because it essentially is both. Have you uh, had it? Have you been sick with COVID? Twice. Yeah, me too. And for me, it was so artificial both times. Mm-hmm. And I think I just coined this with you earlier. Like, I know the difference between acid and mushrooms. <laughs> and this was definitely acid. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was lab, not, you know, fungus. So like, yeah, the first time I was just talking with Ryan about this. Um, the first time I had it, like, wasn't even a thing. Like, I hardly even knew I had it. I felt a little under the weather for like the first couple days. And then um, I lost my taste and smell. And that, I was like, oh, yeah, was like, okay, whatever. And, and how uh, weird is that? Yeah, wow. yeah. It was in 2021. <laughs> and then the wow. second time I got it, it was it was pretty fucking rough. I can't yeah, even lie. Like, I had the exact same thing. It was like, did your muscles like hurt? Oh, my back was sore. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the worst chills ever. Yeah. How I long remember, did it last? 
um it was kind of weird so like we're, we're going back to i want to say it was like late january and um like a saturday night i felt fine and then like we were drinking and playing a game at my uh at my in-laws house and then like i got real bad chills and then like the next day i woke up and i felt fine right and then like for the next day or two after felt perfectly fine and then like that wednesday started to feel a little rough thursday felt rougher and then friday like i woke up and i couldn't hear because i had so much pressure in my ears so i was like i i have to go do something about this so i ended up going to med express and that's when they said oh you have COVID again and i was like oh okay (laughs) how long did it last from that did that real severe period last um two days or probably probably like two three days like i they made me stay home from work for like that following week and uh i want to say my symptoms like i probably could have went back to work by like that wednesday um but like that monday and tuesday that monday night i got the real bad chills again but that was um pretty much after that i was pretty much back to like good shape yeah, I just because I had a similar experience and I just took um, mega dose lysine, which is a pretty powerful antiviral, and right. I immediately got better. And I just uh... was wondering, I was just wondering if if you had said, well, it only lasted 24 hours, I would have been like, oh, well, it wasn't my lysine. But I think it was because I immediately got just like whatever. But um, but yes, I felt like it was nothing I'd ever had before. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think it's from a lab, but I think the whole lab leak theory on the face of it, it wasn't leaked, it was released. So I think that's a whitewash already. And the idea that it was China not in league with us, but why, you know, why don't they come out and tell the truth? Because it would make them look bad. And I also think that there is something to be said for for the great powers all wanting to have um, conflict, like they have to have it. So even the unipolar world thing that we had going, we couldn't control the Middle East. We, We could destroy it but we couldn't really control it. But then you bring back like Russia and then you have like Syria and Iran right. a, a conforming, aligning. They, they won't align with us, but they will align with not us. And I feel like it's almost like the matrix. Like we tried to make you a perfect world, but mm. you couldn't live in it. Yeah. So well, it, it's know. funny what you brought up Iran there. And, and it, like, this is probably one of the biggest gaslighting situations in our foreign policy, because like they, when it comes to the Iran deal, they literally like were all for us inspecting all their stuff and they didn't care. They obeyed all the stuff and then we brutally sanctioned them. And then like, we throw it in their face and say, oh, not good enough every single time. And they, they're like begging us to return back to the deal, just lift the sanctions. And we just continue to throw it in their fucking face. I think a lot of that's because of that certain country over there, you know, ding. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's also one of the bigger countries over there. So how are we supposed well, to or, control that? I mean, or our defense of Israel is to justify massive invasions over there. saying that we have a foot in the door like it could because i even think some of the people in iran like i i think there's levels and levels of that stuff like i think soleimani who was a real iranian patriot we killed him and iran didn't even want to retaliate because i think we killed him for them i think they are a puppet government of ours to keep that kind of dialectic going Uh... and then and then their people were demanding retaliation so what happened they accidentally blew up a plane and then they had to like run away with their tail between their legs. And then that was the end of it. Like that was a fishy story. Like all of those stories were super fishy. And that's when my eyes opened and I was like, oh, this might not even be like the one layer down that we expect. It might be like several layers down 
where even that is just for us to go over there and have a military presence on top of oil. That's super deep. And you know what? It makes sense too, because it, it gives, like you said, it gives that dialectic because we always have to be worried about Iran's going to build a nuke, right? They coined the term Friedman unit, which was six months because um, there was a certain politician <laughs> back. In, yeah. There was a certain politician back in the nineties that always used to say they're, you know, <laughs> Iran six months six away. Months from away. A nuke. Michelle Bachman used to say that too. Yeah, I right. like to go back and hear her say that because it was like 10 years ago. But then like you think about Israel, we're not allowed to talk about their nuclear program and everybody knows they have a nuclear program, but they're like the only country in the world that's not subject that's not subjected to any treaties yes Why and we're the only one who ever dropped the bomb on anybody mm-hmm. so i mean we never and saudi arabia like all, all of the 9-11 bombers were almost all of them were saudi mm-hmm. <laughs> like right. at least use iraqis or whatever like at least <laughs> use the you know like the, they're mm-hmm. why did your allies bomb you i don't i next question it's like there's not even an answer to that question. It's so crazy to me. So the whole thing, like, you know, it's it's hard to penetrate what the real answer is. But I think that they that this bipolar world just it has too much value. And I, I don't know if you can have a multipolar world and a bipolar world at the same time. Like you just tell the Europeans that it's a multipolar world, so they go along with it. Yeah. But you tell Syria and Iran like it's a bipolar world, so they go to Russia and China. Mm. But yeah, like I, I just, the, the layers of, of how this works is hard for me to get my mind around. And I mean, I don't know. I look at like the Bannon thing and I just, I think like at what, what level does he play? And then you have like people like Giuliani who went over to mm-hmm. Ukraine and just like, Hey, I heard this is where all the money is, you know? And they're just <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but if you really want to get plugged into the big money, you got to be a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I just, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel yeah. like John Kerry was over there, Biden, and they mm-hmm. had like this IMF money flowing through. They were partners with, Col- you know, I think under the table partners with Kolomoyski and like they mm-hmm. were, they were flowing billions. And then Giuliani gets hand- caught with his hand in the cookie jar. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, you're just, you just, you're just not good at it. Like you're just not <laughs> world-class. Like you need to just mm. stay in your lane. <laughs> we know what's interesting about that too. And I don't know exactly when Giuliani went over there, but they had all those biodefense labs over in Ukraine. And uh, Giuliani had that company that got paid a shitload of money back in the early 2000s over the anthrax cleanups too. Oh, I well, Think about that. that. Yeah. Oh. So, well, when it came to 9-11, once again, he got a lot of money through anthrax cleanup. Well, clean they up have companies. to give them, they have to give them money. Yeah. Not everybody can write a book that sells tens of millions of copies every <laughs> year, like dreams of yeah. my father or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I just, I figured that out. Like, yeah. how did these guys get, how did Obama all of a sudden start making $10 million? He's like never had a job in his life. Am I right? Mm-hmm. And it's this book just keeps, you know, just millions of people are constantly mm-hmm. buying his book. <laughs> Right. Um, well, with Michelle Obama, though, she does those tours, mm-hmm. and that does make real money. She fills the O2, and so, like, she fills like uh, mega stadiums, boy, yeah. and they give her advances on the books like that. They mm-hmm. they definitely created a, a star with that one. That, that was a good way to get her paid. You think she's a created person then? Oh, I mean, you could see the old. You can see the the timeline for her, mm-hmm. and there was, and I remember this is such an important moment in my. Um, the scales uh, on my eyes. I remember, I mean, had to have been, well, yeah, it was definitely like 15, 16 years ago because they were running. Obama wasn't present yet, present yet. And a, and a friend of mine, a neighbor said she had seen or heard personally, Michelle Obama making that whitey comment. Did you ever hear that? 
like she no. said you're too young but when they were running it came out as like a scandal like she said she was in that reverend right church mm-hmm. whatever because that that's how they were getting political power in chicago they were i think pretending to be part of that church you know they were mm-hmm. just political operatives not not even like cia necessarily i'm just saying like yeah. they were getting ahead and that was the way to do it they had people who were crafting helping them craft their path or whatever mm-hmm. and she said you know whitey always pushing us down or something like that uh, okay, and yeah. yeah saying whitey is is really not not the way to get your first black president like that's not the way to do it so i'm <laughs> just saying so a friend of mine said she heard it and i was looking for it and every time i kind of found it i got rick rolled so i don't know if you know that either it's oh it's no i know that one yeah yeah okay so i i didn't believe her and she said i heard it myself and and i was try- i just could never put those things together i was like i believe you but it can't be true and then, of course, now I realize that, yes. So so I think she wasn't necessary. I think once they put you in the White House, like they did this to Hillary. You can see Hillary, too. My mother points mm-hmm. this out. She's like, when they're in the White House, the designers, the hairstylists and everything, they, they'll work free or mm-hmm. they will get paid for by somebody. And you can see how gorgeous these people look, even right. like absolute troll mutts, whatever, when they're in the White House. And then like when Hillary was a senator, her hair was always a mess. She just looked terrible all the time. Mm. And that's just because she wasn't important enough. She wasn't a face job anymore. But she looked pretty cute in the beginning. Mm. But now Michelle Obama is still like a personality. And so right. whether it's worth it for her, I mean, it's probably a write-off. She probably deducts like Jennifer Aniston, like deducts looking mm. good from her taxes because it's worth it for her. But yeah, I think she was she was created like a star is created, not mm-hmm. like James Comey when I think they were in a, or even Fidel Castro possibly where they were identified mm-hmm. as teenagers as like being extremely gifted. Chosen, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. uh, AOC and Stacey Abrams are those and but mm-hmm. um Michelle Obama I think she just I think I think there were a lot of black politicians that were uh, that mayor mayors consortia, if you look, are absolutely disproportionately African American, um, like even disproportionate to the population, or maybe the populations are are also kind of gerrymandered into to racial groups, whatever. But sure. I think they take they and they they do they have organizations they get together. <clears throat> they have got, you know, there's, there's like memos that are written. I was, when I was looking into 15 minute cities, I discovered mm-hmm. this and, and there's like, they're global, they're global consortia of mayors. They're completely outside of any kind of checks and balance hierarchical mm-hmm. system here. And they, I think uh, in that group, that's kind of where they, that's where you're kind of groomed and cultivated. And, and then they can see who can rise above the cream there, you know, rise to the top there. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that's how it happens. And then they can do their hardcore grooming, but that's uh, when I realized right. truly what it meant. Many are called, but few are chosen. That's uh, when I okay. really understood what that meant. I never understood it before. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I guess one last thing that I wanted to ask you about, because uh, we were kind of talking about nine 11 stuff earlier um, and also de-dollarization. Um, one interesting thing that uh, I was talking to Adam Fitzgerald and Sean Russell about 9-11 stuff. It seems like whenever like there's rocky roads with the Saudis, they start to like do a limited hangout with 9-11 documents like the Canistrero um, files that just came out like a couple weeks ago. You know, you heard about Biden and the Saudis having like a little bit of a rocky relationship. Then all of a sudden these Canistrero um, documents come out. So um, in these give a lot of 
you know, credence to the potential culpability of like Israel or the Saudis. Did you see kind of what's going on there? No, tell me, explain oh, no, no, to you... me what you're thinking. And I'll tell you if I think it makes sense. So, so basically like whenever the U S starts to have issues with the Saudis, they'll start teasing out more stuff about nine 11. Oh, so right. they could, they have them like to blackmail them kind of just like right. say we can get closer to you. You know, I always wondered like if the Saudis were absolutely above it all. And I know, I mean, I think they swapped out the air you know, the, like there was a bit of a changing of the guard. I think mm. there was supposed to be the one guy um, who was going to rule them. And then it was a different guy. Mm. <laughs> I don't remember their names. But so there was definitely some manipulation there. And you can see like John McCain would go over. Somebody would go over mm. and then something would happen. Right. So uh, I I feel like they are so. They they are so honestly i always wonder with israel like who's on top the city of london mm. um wall street or tel aviv like who's on top i don't know but with saudi arabia i just feel like they're this is gonna seem really let her rip, let it rip. That sounding offensive <laughs> i don't mean offensive like uh racially offensive i just mean like if you had an extremely expensive poodle with a diamond you know mm. neck you know like a collar i don't know but i just i feel like there it's the ruling group there seems so small it's just like super uh, super rich extended right. family super yeah. super rich extended family that they're very vulnerable and I just, I feel like, yes, maybe, maybe that's a signaling to them, like a little reminder, mm. you know, like I think they show the Zapruder film in the Oval Office right after the inauguration. Mm. Kind of like show the just... different, uh, the different angle of uh, yes, the JFK yes, assassination. That, I thought of that before, <laughs> before I ever heard of Bill Hicks. However, uh, yeah. <laughs> I have been told, PQ tells me that the New York Times crossword puzzle is easier to do at the end of the day than the beginning. So you don't know that things are being inserted <laughs> into your brain, but they yeah. are. I'm still taking credit for things that i've thought of but mm. i give a nod to that theory so uh so yes maybe they have to give them a little but i i would think that if if they got really out of line you could probably nuke them and get away with it like i think people are just yeah. really know that that cognitive distance that's created by the fact that 15 of the hijackers were, were Saudi mm -hmm. and Bush whisked them out of the country immediately. Mm -hmm. Osama bin Laden was a CIA operative in Charlie Wilson's war. I mean, mm -hmm. it's kind of like everyone knows that JFK was an inside job, but like nobody can or whatever, not alone. Will, and, and nobody yeah. can like, will address the fact that every president since then has to have covered it up. Yeah. It's an ongoing conspiracy. It's an ongoing conspiracy. Mm. Right. Like it, that is the, of all the conspiracy theories that are the most unbelievable. It's the fact that everybody knows JFK was assassinated, not by lone gunman. And it's a continuing conspiracy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you just can't get around the implications of it. And if, and if Saudi Arabia, you could just, yes, you're right. You could just say, oh, wow. Oh my gosh. Like I never even turned the page, but on page 28, it's, oh, so sad. <laughs> So Saddam Hussein, sorry. Sorry, Beppe. <laughs> like, I was right. It wasn't Iraq, right? There were no Iraqis there. Oh, sorry. You know, it was Bush's fault. He was so yeah. stupid. It was unbelievable. And he called all the shots. Nobody could stop him. Mm -hmm. He just pressed all the buttons himself. You know, 
So yeah, I mean, it could, it could, it could be just a little reminder for them, but at the same time, and I was doing that 15 minute city thing, they are building like the craziest, they are such totalitarians over there. They're building like basically a great wall of Saudi Arabia. That's going to be like a 500 story high internal city. I mean, they're doing, they're, they're, they are an incubator in the way, the way Israel is like a tech incubator and, mm -hmm. and, um, the Soviet Union was like a psych incubator. Yeah. They are this, um, you know, I don't know what you would call it, like that the, the uh, restricted, you know, the the gated community incubator. Yeah. The, like the, a... the container world. <laughs> you get your friend as a container <laughs> word. It's a container yeah. world. Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. I might have I... to add that to my glossary. <laughs> I'll nice. still give them credit. Yeah, I got you. All right. Well, we've been going for like an hour and a half. I, I know you said keep it to 60 minutes, but no, I really, oh, really okay, enjoy talking to you. Yeah, cool. Um, Monica, go ahead. Give your plugs. What do you got cool going on? I will be airing this on. Let me make sure I get this right. And uh, the 30th. Great. Thank you. So uh, my latest endeavors are deep dives with Monica Perez, which I do interviews. I do buddy dives like this. I do... Um, some deep dives where I get into these kind of topics like the Restrict Act or whatever. And um, so I have a lot of that. You can actually find them by category at monicasdeepdives.com. If you want to listen to the latest episodes, go to Deep Dives with Monica Perez. And if you want to see the videos and some of the premium content, do a commercial free. You can go to deepdives.com slash, I mean, rockfin.com slash deep dives because mm -hmm. I love Rockfin. And, um, and I also have a commercial free feed on iTunes. People don't realize you can do iTunes premium and that cuts all the commercials out. So feel free to support me in that way, but just subscribing to the, uh, to the free feeds is, is plenty. Thank you. Awesome. Of course, Monica, well, I really, really appreciate your time. Do you want me to do my plug as well? Yes, please do. Awesome. Well, uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, my name is Kama Tovic. I host the In Liberty and Health podcast, talk all things geopolitics as we did here, um, physical fitness. I have tons of health experts on and also libertarian topics. Um, I play in the band A Common Crown. Um, we're going to be opening for Vixen July 10th. So if you are in the southwestern Pennsylvania area, feel free to hit me up for tickets, and I'll do the best I can to get them to you. Hell yeah. <laughs> and uh um, yeah, I think that's uh, everywhere. You can find me on Twitter at K-Y-L-E-M-A-T-O-V-C-I-K. That's Kamatovic on Twitter. And uh, I'm also on Facebook. So if you want to add me there, I'm there as well. YouTube, all the audio feeds in Liberty and Health. And that's where you can find me. Once again, thank you, Monica. Thank you. Cool. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.